All right, folks, this is Rebel Rousing Rich Bergeron. This is the Tornado Tony Pimicom. And Psychic Tom Pendleton. Okay, and uh, we've got a big show coming your way. We don't have a guest tonight. We're supposed to get some boxers from this uh, big card next week, but uh, maybe uh, we'll do some pre-recorded in interviews with them before the card kicks off. I think it's the 13th or the 14th. I don't know. Uh, some crazy day, but Dusty Hernandez Harrison was one of the guests we were supposed to get. Uh, kind of fell through. I haven't heard from him, so I don't know what's going on, but they offered me a bunch of people. Just got to probably get a hold of the lady and figure out what what happened there, but uh, we had some big boxing matches over the weekend. The Durrell brothers were on a card there and um, giving a lot of shout-outs to Flint and the situation there. Andre beat uh, Caleb Truax in a pretty handy decision. Successively beat Caleb Truax. Yeah. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, uh, our buddy Bailey got knocked out, though. I mean, not knocked out, but uh, lost. Randall Bailey. Former oh, uh, I, I didn't see Randall. I didn't know he fought on the card. No, it was a different card, but uh, he lost to Jeff Horn in Australia. Wow. Uh, and doesn't say the round, but RTD retired. By Jeff Horn. Yeah, exactly like a stoppage. Randall Bailey. Knocked out our other uh, former guest one time, uh, Gato Figueroa. Pretty handily. Yes, he did. That was vicious. Vicious. Uh, we got a big UFC card coming up on uh, Saturday night as well. Rotterdam. I guess it's Sunday night there. I guess. Sunday, May 8th. Overeem versus Arlovsky. Great matchup there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to, interesting to see if Arlovsky goes back to using the uh, back fists that work so well for him. <laughs> against uh, Travis Brown. <clears throat> we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, I know I don't have it right in front of me, but I know one piece of news this week that I was uh, looking forward to talking about is um, Tyson Fury is already saying he's going to retire after this uh, rematch with uh, Klitschko. That's another Fury's already going to retire. Uh, here's why that's idiotic. <laughs> if he wins... He has the potential to make a boatload of what? Money. Mushrooms? Money. Mangoes or money? <laughs> Lots of money to buy mushrooms and mangoes. Yeah. Unbelievable mentality. Yeah, I'm just going to retire. I've done it all. I beat the Klitschko guy twice that nobody else could beat. Uh, yeah, so let me retire. Uh, uh, you know, uh, retire when you're on top do the Marciano thing. But you know what? Here's the thing. Marciano was on top for a long time. He had basically um, controlled the division. He was highly respected, and he had made a good bit of money. Right, and made several defenses. Yes, quality defenses. Not you know, Edwin Charles is a great fighter. Um, right. You know, Archie Ward, you know, very good, you know, uh, legendary fighter. Um, Raul Star is a top contender, you know, yeah, good fighter, Jersey Joe, rematch for the title. Yeah, sure. exactly. So, yeah, that's apples and oranges. And he may have felt he was starting to slip just a little bit. And as he said about that Joe Lewis fight, that, that had a big influence on him quitting when he did. But Fury, yeah. Fury seems like he's at his peak right now. 
that would just be insane to quit now. Well, he's known for his insane commentary. Yeah, yes, he that's is. for sure. Uh, probably the worst news this week is uh, something that uh, I kind of just heard about late at night the other night. Uh, Jordan Parsons down there in Florida uh, was uh, hanging out near the beach. He had a place, a new apartment uh, by his training camp and uh, walked to his training camp every day. And on the way to his training camp, he gets hit and run accident, killed. Uh, first, they had uh, amputated his leg. And uh, looked like he was going to live, and no, no big issues. You know, he's in critical condition, but nobody said he was going to die. And then, psh, next thing you know, you hear the word, he's dead. So uh, they're still looking for the guy that hit him. Last I checked, uh, I think they had got it down to a silver uh, Range Rover or something like that, sports something. I don't know, but down there in uh, one of the beach communities down there in Florida. Uh, some guy obviously had too much to drink or something and uh, ran into him. And that's it. Horrible. Horrible stuff. And he had a yeah. very promising record. And, of course, uh, his coach has said nothing but nice things about him. I mean, he had just quit his other jobs to do this professionally. He wanted to give everything to this job. He was 11-2 and two as a fighter and uh, fought for Bellator. So uh, wasn't uh, wasn't a stranger to many people. Who know the sport? Well, I remember even a couple of years ago. Now, the fighter I'm talking about here had retired. Um, was a guy. Um, he was basically known as a Philadelphia fighter, but he wasn't from Philadelphia. He was from New Jersey. His name was uh, Tony, the Punch and Postman Thornton. I'm not sure Tom remembers him. He was a postman by day and a boxer by night. You know, he fought on USA, and he had a USA win over our former guest and our good friend Iceman John Scully. And then he parlayed that into a fight with Roy Jones. He got stopped in two or three rounds, because um, at that time, nobody was touching Roy Jones. And then he had passed away a couple of years ago as a result of a motorcycle accident. And just by chance, the day he passed away, we had Iceman on the show that night, because I was the one that broke the news. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's just a, it's a horrible thing to happen to anybody, um, you know, especially when this family uh, seemed to obviously get the rest of the public be given the idea that this guy's going to live and just had to amputate his leg and now he's gone. Crazy right. situation. And uh, Bellator released a statement uh, asking for help with uh, trying to identify the uh, hit and run culprit. Um, they also added that uh, Jordan was hardworking, dedicated, intelligent, and a pleasure to be around. He represented all the reasons we love the sport. It is a terribly tragic loss, and our thoughts and prayers go out to his family, friends, and teammates. Uh, and uh, speaking of a potentially promising MMA career, uh, Amir Khan has been the latest boxer to say that he can... You better worry about 48 hours from now. Yeah, you said, Tony, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Great minds, once again, great minds think Making the news more this week than the fight has been making for the boxing match between him and Canelo. Uh, and actually, Amir Khan has said, uh, according to this article that I, I mean, I've seen this headline about seven times before I actually clicked on it. Uh, because I had read first that, no, uh, Amir Khan just wants to invest in MMA. 
now all of a sudden I'm reading that he is training already in MMA for this fight yeah. against Canelo. So I don't know if we're going to see elbows or back fists. <laughs> so what's going on? What's going on? That may be why he's so confident he's going to win. Gonna... Well, here's the thing is that with with an MMA style of fighting, that is probably going to be detrimental to the boxing because a lot of your MMA, uh, far from me to try to proclaim myself an expert, but a lot of your MMA focuses on grappling, takedowns, submissions, things like that. In this fight this weekend, Khan's game plan has to be Box on the outside, angles, do not do anything where you're in close with this guy. Don't don't stand toe-to-toe with him. Right. By the way, it was uh, Delray Beach uh, where Jordan Parsons was hit, and it was a silver Range Rover. So if anybody knows anybody with a silver Range Rover out there with some body damage, some red blood, guy who uh, is traditionally drunk and doesn't remember his nights... Driving it, yeah, that's that's a good clue. Uh, 2013, actually, 2012 or 2013, they get it narrowed down to the year Range Rover Sport. I knew there was a sport in there. See, Range Rover Sport. So, uh, pretty narrow search. I'm sure the cops will have that down into a grid search before you know it, and uh, figure out who has what for that vehicle in the area, but. You never know, it could have been an out-of-state plate. They don't have a plate. Yeah, crazy story. Uh, yeah, Amir Khan versus uh, Canelo is obviously the big boxing match of the week. Yeah. Pretty cool. <coughs> May is, uh, a lot of birthdays in May. Good month for birthdays. No, that's not. I'm surprised you're October. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, the uh, the Italian bazooka is fighting tonight. Mark DeLuca, still undefeated. He's fighting in Melrose, Massachusetts in the main event. What's his record now? 13-0 and 0 at middleweight. Great nickname, Italian bazooka. Yeah, Mark DeLuca, <laughs> the son of the guy who really taught me the basics of boxing before I went to the Air Force Academy. He's fighting a guy named Salim Larbi, who's got 20 wins, 5 losses, and 2 draws. That's, uh, that's a big fight of the night on that card. Melrose, Massachusetts. Let's see what we got here. WBA World Female Featherweight title is on the line. Tomorrow night. Ooh. Come on. Where'd it go? Disappeared on me. There it is. Interim WBA World Female Featherweight title between uh, Marcella Ileana Acuna. It's 42 6 and 1, fighting Myra Alejandra Gomez, who's 17 and 4. That's in Argentina. Argentina, 42-6-1. That's a heck of a record as a female featherweight. It's a lot of fights. It's very rare. 
I would think it's easier in other countries. For some reason, the American American uh, scene, there's not a lot of female fights, but overseas, uh, South American countries, Mexico, see a lot more female fights. Headline the card, not just beyond the card. Box wreck is taking forever today. As it usually does, I think. All right, I don't want to see the one fight cards in France. Box wreck, take me to page two. <laughs> oh, by the way. I'm sure Tony is going to love to hear this one. I'm sure he's heard it already, but Floyd Mayweather will come back for the right price. How long did I predict that? I don't even need Thomas Crystal Ball for that one. What's he want, nine figures? Yeah. Take out a loan, Tony. Promote it in Philly. You can do it. Okay. <laughs> You'll pay to see him, right? Yeah. You I don't know. know. Yeah, you know what? Promoting Philly, I promoted that little um, what was it? That um, church, well, gym, arena where Rocky fought Spider Rico with the um, you know the stained glass uh, window in the background. <laughs> nice. So speaking of this, um, I got an email today. Um, a guy that I used to work with. He just left the company about maybe two months ago, two, two and a half months ago. And, you know, his his wife also used to work there. She left about a year and a half ago, maybe, two years ago. So they both worked there. I worked with both of them. And her son was an amateur fighter. I talked to him a few times through email and stuff. She's also a um, minister. And I don't know what type of event they're having in October. But they were trying, it's going to be a boxing event. I don't know if it's like a celebrity boxing event or a charity boxing event or an amateur boxing event. I don't know. But they tried, they were trying to get Michael Buffer to do the announcing. Hmm. And unfortunately, he's booked that weekend. So they booked the next best thing. And I can get this ring announcer on our show. Nice. You know who it is? The guy who's already been on our show? You can say that. <laughs> you can say he's been on the show once or twice or every freaking week. <laughs> Tony. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Yep. Um, they, you know, they're booking me. I'm doing. Oh, I'll, 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 I got the email right here. Let's see what it says. Uh, okay. Hey, Tony. Hope you're doing well. Tattoo looks great. Are you available to be a ring announcer commentator for a demonstration boxing match? The date is Saturday, October 22nd. I'm friends with Michael Buffer's son. I tried to book his dad, but his dad is booked that date. Let me know if you're available. And, um, you know, whatever. I said, yeah, I said, yeah I'll do it. I just said, let me know when, where, what I got to do. So now here's the question I got to pose to you guys. Yeah. Golden red tuxedo. <laughs> Red, red, red for boxing gloves. You think red? What about you, Tom? 
Okay, I'm I'm, I'm getting a visual. Okay, <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm I'm deciding between red and gold. Uh, uh, let's see, probably red. I think you know because that's the flash. I mean, gold would be. I'm torn. Because it depends on, you know, what color shirt I wear, too. When I did the gold tuxedo for the uh, first event that I went to, I did a gold tuxedo. The white shirt and the black bow tie. The um, other one I went to, I did the red tuxedo jacket, a black shirt and a white bow tie. So I could do either jacket, then I could mix the mix and match the shirt and the bow ties up. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that, that that sounds good. Now you can I, I say can't uh, the, I can't get the gold one out of my head. So now you can officially say, hey, you know, I'm the guy they call in when Michael Buffer's not available. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Status, buddy. And you're that not is, lying. Yeah. You legitimately say that. Hey. I am the guy. I am that guy. They call when Michael is not there. Michael Buff is not available. I got. I got his understudy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and and I know you'll have your own style. Yeah. Well, like I said, I only ever did ringing out them once, and I was kind of pressed into duty, and that was at an amateur show, a collegiate show, back in 1998. And I was first of all, I was mad. Because during my entire tenure at Lock Haven, the closest I ever fought to home was, I think, Lock Haven. So I fought up in New York City. I fought at Lock Haven. Um, every time I'd go to fight at Chippensburg, my fight would get postponed or canceled. Either someone would make weight or someone would be sick or something. Um, so I never got to fight at Chippensburg. Then I fought at Navy, you know, Reno, Kentucky. Never close to home. The semester after my eligibility's up, they're having one in Newtown, Pennsylvania, which is um, in Bucks County, you know, right outside of Philadelphia. It's basically a suburb of Philadelphia. And I can't compete, and so they're having this card, and I'm going to go there to help in the corners. We get there, and they're like, yeah, we got problems. We're, we're, we're low on officials. Will you be a judge? I'm just saying, you know, I don't want to be. I really don't want to be a judge because some of these guys are my teammates. These are all my old teammates, and some of them are boxing each other. And can I be objective? Of course, but did I want to? No. So then, right before I'm literally about to sit down with a pad and a pencil, they come over to me. They're like, "Listen, we found an extra judge, so we're good. We got three. Great. I'm going to work corners again. No, you're not. We need you to be the ring announcer." Okay, but at that show, with a lot of the amateur shows, and I'm sure Rich probably remembers from his days of college boxing, the ring announcer wasn't in the ring. He just basically sat at a table. So, you know, it was you know, not as glamorous. I did, I did ring announcing twice. I did it one time at this Newtown show, and I did it one time um, at Shippensburg. And he sat at a table. And the one thing, and I even asked one of the first shows I ever booked on Fight News Unlimited, I had a friend of mine, the local, he was a Philadelphia ring announcer by the name of Larry Twinambi. Uh We had him on the show. Yep. Great guy, funny guy, good sense of humor. Lives in Phoenix now. And I asked him a question, honestly. I said, Larry, in all the years you've been doing this, 
you know the fight game, and you're at a fight, and fighter A clearly wins, and you get them scorecards, and it's fighter B, and you know it's wrong. How do you make that announcement? He goes, well, I got to make the announcement with just as much enthusiasm because, number one, I'm paid to be the ring announcer. I'm not paid to be the judge. And he goes, second of all, it's not my business to take away from fighter B's moment. And I thought that was a very good point because I was the one show I did at Chippensburg. It was a fight between a kid from Lock Haven and a kid from maybe it was Army. I don't really remember where. But the kid from Lock Haven clearly won the fight. Everybody there thought so. The card could hand it to me, and it circled blue corner. And I knew it was wrong. You know, I looked at all three cards to make sure they didn't put the wrong one on top. And it was a 2-1 split for the blue corner. And I remember the referee was in the ring, Tony Wolf, and he had his back to me. He had his hands, you know, holding both fighters by the wrist. And he said, you know, and, the, and I announced, I said, the winner out of the blue corner. And I was a little sub, subdued when I said it. And Larry said, I sh he's like, oh, you shouldn't be like that. You know, it's not your job. But it was such a bad decision. When I said the blue corner, Tony actually looked bad back at me before he raised the kid's hand. Hmm. And, I, and I nodded to him, yes. And he shook his head while he raised it. <laughs> wow. That's like, yeah. uh, that's like, what's his name? Uh, in MMA, uh, Rampage Jackson. Went over and raised in Mishita's hand, and then they gave Rampage the win. <laughs> on the decision. He sat down in a heap on the cage and put his head in his hands, and then they, they go, go, come on up, and then they raise his hand. He's, like, shocked more than anybody. <clears throat> what? I won that fight? <laughs> it happens. Remember uh, Bruce Buffer, when we had him on the show, one of the fucking favorite things I've ever heard in an interview when he, we asked him, what was the hardest name he ever had to pronounce? And he goes, John Fitch. Because <laughs> 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 there's no emotion there, you know? It's just John Fitch. I mean, it's so quick and just got out of your mouth yeah. by the time. Uh, did uh, John Fitch have player. a nickname? I don't think he did. That was hard, the other hard part, I guess. Right. That, that I, really I, was hard, um, John, put you yeah. in a ditch, Fitch. No, <laughs> that would have been much better, but I don't think he had much. Uh, anyway, we got some big uh, boxing matches coming up. Um, actually, uh, Tony, I probably still have Bruce's number. If you need an agent, you know he represents Mike already. There you go. <laughs> anyway, uh, Derek Chisora is going to be fighting Kubrat Pulev in the big heavyweight uh, fight this weekend in Hamburg, Germany. And uh, Chisora is 25-5, and five. Pulev is 22-1, and one. and it's for a title, of course, vacant EBU heavyweight title. So we'll see where each of these guys goes. Then we've got uh, Noel Givor, he's 20-0, fighting Christian Javier Medina, who's 12-1-3. And, and that's one's for the WBO International Cruiserweight title. And, uh, let's see, what else? This one. This is a mismatch of the week here, guaranteed. Even though this guy is six and zero, he's uh, he's got he's going up against a guy with a heck of a lot of experience. Uh, Archer Mann, he's six and zero at cruiserweight. He's fighting a guy Valerie Brudoff, who's forty three and eight. Good luck, well, Archer. Keeping that undefeated record. Well, I, I guess the only question is maybe he fought six very tough guys, 
and maybe mm-hmm. our forty-three and eight guy had uh, had an easy road. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> How else could you hype it? Maybe. All right. We're gonna fast forward through all the junk to get to the good stuff. There's, of course, uh, you know, you got a big fight in America across the pond. They got to compete. So over in the UK, their uh, big fight is a nineteen and zero Ismael Barroso, nineteen oh two. Uh, fighting Anthony Krola for the WBA World Lightweight title. Krola has got uh, 30 wins, 4 losses, 3 draws. Her co-main event there is Shane Singleton, who's 22-1 at welterweight, fighting Adil Anwar, who's 22-5. That's for the vacant WBC International Silver welterweight title. Not to be confused with the gold welterweight title that doesn't exist. I guess the belt is just gold, and this one might be just silver. I don't know. Never figured that one out. Uh, Paul Smith is also on this one. 35-6, and six fighting Daniel Rigi at super middleweight, who's 28-13. and 13. That's no title fight. And then uh, Marcus Morrison, undefeated, 10-0 at middleweight, fighting Jefferson Luis D'Souza, who is 16-1-2. That was out the good stuff on that card. And uh, out there in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the T-Mobile Arena. I think this is like the grand opening of this place. This fight uh, is supposed to be a big deal. Um, Saul Alvarez, 46-1-1. One one. Of course, we know who the one loss is to. Uh, fighting yeah. Amir Khan, 31-3. Nobody has given Khan much of a chance in this one, except maybe some uh, diehard British fans of his. Uh, this one's for the WBC World Middleweight title, and uh, it uh, hasn't been talked about as much as the potential for Alvarez versus Golovkin. I mean, yeah. it's just uh, cool. everybody's just kind of pushing that fight before this one's even over. <clears throat> but uh, Amir Khan, yeah. I mean, he's already talking he could cross over to MMA, so he yeah. seems to be looking past Alvarez already. Let him get through what he's got to do this weekend. Now, unfortunately, I wanted to do it the um, the other night, but I never got a chance to sit down and, and, and write my preview article like I'd like to. So I'm going to give you guys a brief rundown, so that way I have evidence. You know, I have my you know I have my evidence, and you know if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. <laughs> Pacquiao de la Hoya. That was. Oh, I had the right round on that one. I just and I had it being a mismatch, just the wrong way. Um, and then I've been right before. Let's let's hope the rights are more than the wrongs. But this is what I see on this one. To break it down, Canelo, his strengths are just that. His strength. He's a very strong fighter. He's a very physical fighter. Uh, he has good power in both hands. He can really turn leverage into his punches. He has one-punch knockout power, but he also has the ability to wear a fighter down. Um, Canelo's weaknesses, I would say, would be his foot speed. Um, you know, sometimes against a faster fighter, um, he had trouble with Austin Trout. He had trouble with Arisandi Lara. He had trouble with, um, um, obviously, Floyd Mayweather. Um, and so sometimes, you know, he has tendency to get up on. Also, sometimes he'll pick a, a bad strategy. He tried to box with Floyd. Idiotic. You know, he, he never really 
press must have been, um, you know, made that fight competitive uh, because he did not put pressure on Floyd. He did not use his natural physical advantage and his physical strength. Um, also, sometimes you'll notice in some of his fights, he does have a tendency to take rounds off as he fatigues. I remember the fight, um, Austin Trout, he took uh, a number of rounds off in there. It looked like he was relatively fatigued. Um, you have Amir Khan. Amir Khan, I would say, is a better natural athlete. He is um, very fast. He's got definite advantages in hand speed, foot speed, movement, and I would even say boxing ability. Um, Amir has a decent punch, but I would not call that one of his strengths. Um, in fact, if you, if you go to his weaknesses, I would say pure punching power. You know, he's at a major disadvantage in this fight. He's at a size disadvantage. And also, he is a fighter that has major lapses in concentration. Uh, you saw when he fought Bradis Prescott, um, you know, Prescott came to bull rush him, ended up knocking him out in like less than a minute. Danny Garcia, he was beating Garcia over the first two rounds, and then he stood in front of him and tried to trade left hooks. You don't, you don't hook with the hooker. That's like trying to trade left hooks with Joe, with Joe Frazier. You don't do it. And, you know, he got caught with a counter left hook, like right on his neck, and it dropped him. And then a round later, Garcia dropped him two more times and knocked him out. Even in the fight he won against Marcos Maidana. I mean, that fight in the 12th round, the 12th round was 30 seconds longer. He gets knocked out. You know, he was winning, and then Madonna had him all but out. Right. So that leads to the problem that he has a glass jaw. If I take the line from Rocky Five, this guy has so much glass in his chin, he could pose as a chandelier. <laughs> now, <laughs> um, I would say Canelo's on a little bit more of a, um, a hot streak. He's, you know still with the camp that he's been with, you know, for, you know, the majority of his career, if not his, all, his whole career. Um, where uh, Khan is now training with Virgil Hunter, very good trainer, but sometimes, you know, a trainer might do wonders with one fighter and be mediocre with another fighter, not just they mesh together. And Virgil Hunter is praised for his work with Andre Ward, but a lot of that, I think, has to do with Andre Ward, um, where you could get a guy like the Mayweathers, Floyd Sr. and Roger, you know, got so much praise, you know, as being great trainers because of Floyd Jr. And when they matched up with other guys um, or trained other guys, they weren't as successful because they didn't have that, you know, freakish fighter. So with all that being said, for Canelo to win this fight, three keys to victory, be patient, you know, and force Khan to expend a lot of energy. Khan has to fight the perfect fight. Canelo doesn't. So Canelo can just put consistent pressure and be patient. Wear Khan down. Use his size. Use his physical advantages, wear him down, hit him to the body, hit him to the shoulders, and break him down. Khan, to be successful, has to fight the perfect fight. He's got to replicate the efforts of another Khan. That's Billy Khan over the first 12 and a half rounds in the first fight with Joe Lewis. He was smaller. 
you know, he wasn't as physically imposing and he didn't have the same punching power. But he fought the perfect fight for 12 and a half rounds. Then he made the mistake. And that's why Jolos was the longest reigning um, heavyweight champion. So that's the key to victory. Where I see this fight working out, I see Khan from the beginning. He's gonna have to. He's gonna move. He's gonna get there. He's gonna be on his toes. He's gonna be boxing and moving. His hands and his feet are gonna be moving. And, and he's gonna be out punching Canelo at least two to three to one. But Canelo's one is gonna be heavier. It's gonna be. He's gonna jab him to the chest. He's going to you know, throw some looping right hands to the side. He's going to dig some left hooks to the body. And the more and more, he gets, through each round, he'll get closer and closer. Um, and then Khan is going to have to try to stand his ground. And when that happens, maybe around the fourth, fifth round, maybe the sixth, um, Kenilo's power is going to take over. And we'll knock him down, maybe with a counter left hook. Khan will get up. Follow-up flurry, down he goes again. Referee stops the fight. I say fifth, maybe sixth round. Canelo Alvarez. All right. You That's heard it my verbiage of my written version. You heard it here All first. All right. Well, you know, Tony, since, um, since I joined the team, I don't think you've really been off by more than a few rounds. I'm trying to look back and... Um, can't remember where you've been hardly inaccurate at all. So um, we'll see. I was kind of thinking maybe Khan could last a little longer. but uh, And, yeah, he, and he very well could. I mean, he could, you know, try to be perfect, perfect, perfect. And maybe he is for a little bit. But I just don't... Um, I can't see him holding it up. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's almost impossible for 36 minutes not to have one slip. Definitely. All right. Well, the uh, the rest of the card shakes out pretty good, too. There's a lot of uh, interesting names and uh, matchups here. <clears throat> not a lot of titles on the line, but... Um, uh, Frankie Gomez in the co-main event. He's 20-0 at welterweight, fighting Mauricio Herrera, who is 22-5. Should be an interesting welterweight fight there to uh, complement the main event. And then we got David Lemieux at middleweight, 34-3, fighting Glenn Tapia, who is 23-2. That That's going to be a good fight. fight. That's what I'm really looking forward to. That's a middleweight uh, scrap, and it's for the vacant WBO-NABO middleweight title. Then we got, uh, here's an interesting one at middleweight again. Patrick Teixeira, 26-0, fighting Curtis Stevens, who's 27-5. And, and, of course, uh, Oscar's got to have uh, another De La Hoya representing him here on this card. He's got Diego De La Hoya, 14-0 at Super Bantamweight, fighting Rocco Santomaro, who is 13-0. So somebody's always got to go, and it's for the... WBC Youth World Super Bantamweight title. So, uh, could be De La, young De La Hoya's first big title there. If he wins that one. <clears throat> we also got uh, Jason Quigley, 10-0 at middleweight, fighting James De La Rosa, who's 23-3 out of middleweight. And uh, Rashidi Ellis, 14-0 at welterweight, fighting Marco Antonio Lopez, who's 25-8. 
And then uh, also we have uh, some stuff going on. Mount TV on Sunday. Some interesting fights. We got Kanat Islam, 20-0, fighting Juan D'Angel, who is 18-3. Samuel Figueroa, that's at Super Welterweight, by the way. He's 10-0 uh, at Super Welterweight. Figueroa fighting Miguel Cruz, who's 12-0. That's the co-main event. And then you've got uh, Dennis Galarza, 12-1 at Super Featherweight, fighting Yardley Suarez, who's 15-3. Alantes Fox undefeated 18-0-1 fighting Milton Nunez who is 32-15-1 you got Dat Nguyen I haven't heard his name in a while he's 17-3 at featherweight fighting I guess the Jesus fight of the week here because it's Jesus Lule who's 8-17-1 probably not pronouncing that last name right but that's about it uh, for this week for the big fights in boxing but the con card uh, should be pretty interesting. Corolla fight there over there in uh, the UK should be too. Uh, <clears throat> more and more people are starting to say this uh, Anthony Joshua guy could end up uh, taking over the heavyweight division eventually too. He's looking good. So uh, Derek Chisora over there in uh, Hamburg, Germany. Going to be trying to put a wrench in that. And of course our buddy uh, Shannon Briggs. Sure, he's going to try to have something to say about that at some point. I think I read something uh, something out there about uh, Shannon Briggs refusing to fight Anthony Joshua. <laughs> Doesn't want to fight him. Anyway. Of course, we got uh, UFC Fight Night also on Sunday, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. That's the big event this week. See fight night. No, I'm not gonna load for me. All right. So we got here. McGregor versus UFC battle still going on. It's another story. It's not really a story because there's no real developments. But McGregor's been ranting and raving. We'll see how it goes for him. Okay, so Overeem versus Arlovsky, obviously, we've mentioned that. That's the main event for, calling it UFC Fight Night 87. And I'll have the records here in front of me in a second. What's your uh, psychic opinion of that one, Tom? Uh, I kind of get the feeling Arlovsky's going to come back. Yeah. He That's should. Just, just. I mean, I haven't really put a lot of time and energy into it, but that's just my first impression. Overeem has also become kind of, uh, you know, a roller coaster ride, and uh, for for somebody that knows enough to study his game and figure out his weaknesses, he's uh, a pretty easy target. You know, he's almost like an opponent for guys like that. But every now and then, he catches somebody, 
his old skills come back, but, uh, you know, he's never been the same since they busted him uh, taking that little testosterone shot, as far as I can remember. Uh, you know, he was devastating when he was in Pride. He, he had a lot of big wins, but then once he came over to the UFC, he was just never caught fire. So, Arlovsky, on the other hand, is on fire. He has been on fire. He just had one slip-up along the way, and I think he's uh, ready to... Uh, rise to the top again and try to get that title shot. <clears throat> yeah, I just I just get the feeling he was kind of upset with himself about the um, Stipe fight. Yeah. And uh, it was really, he didn't make any serious errors, you know, that use that cliche, he just got caught, which I hate <laughs> that phrase, but it, it's so descriptive. Right. But I, I really get the feeling he just said, all right, you know, because he is getting older and, uh, you know, he knows he can't keep blowing these chances. Uh, a devastating loss here for him would really, really be a setback. Right. As it would be for Overeem, too, while we're on that topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Overeem had a devastating style when uh, nobody was kicking as much. Right now, everybody's doing a lot more kicks. They know how to block kicks, and you know he came from a K1 kickboxing background. And but Arlovski is just so much more durable. He's he's fought in a lot of different leagues. Fought fought a lot of uh, big name fighters who aren't fighting anymore. A lot of them. But it's uh, it's a big step up in experience for him anyway, lately. Uh, then we've got Stefan Struve trying to come back from his uh, absence with his heart issues. He's 26-8, and eight, fighting Antonio Silva. So the skyscraper versus the Easter Island statue here. Uh, <laughs> Antonio is 19-8-1, Stefan 26-8. So this is uh, a pretty interesting co-main event here. We're going to see what happens. Uh, this is a you know, I, I wonder what the size of the referee will be in that one. <laughs> you know, because they, uh, they've got that one real short ref. You know, he's, he's, he's really uh, uh, real short and stocky. You know, real big arm. Yeah, celebrity. It's going to be a yeah. celebrity guest referee. It's going to be the little dude from uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, he's about 5'3 or something like that. That would be, that'd be pretty interesting with those two behemoths, you know. Yeah. Oh, that'll be interesting. Peter Peter Dinklage, that guy. That's going to be funny. Well, uh, you know, Struve, uh, again, you think that um, if Struve's going to make a run at it, this is kind of um, uh, a must-win for him. Because Bigfoot pretty much is what he is. I think he's the mind. So Struve really needs a win. He's got a great fight on one of the knockout cards. I forget who he knocks out, but he like comes back for more. Like he want he wants to get some more while the guy's like, and he wants to like scream at the dude at least if he can't punch him. <laughs> the fight has already stopped, and he runs back to say something to the dude, maybe try to punch him again, and the ref has to pull him off him again. Really, must have been a lot of trash talk before that fight, whichever one it was. Anyway, uh, we also got Gunnar Nelson, 14-2-1, fighting Albert Tumanoff, who's 17-2. and uh, We got some female fights. Uh, Jermaine, Jermaine D. Rondami, who is 5-3, uh, and three, fighting Anna Elmos, who is 3-0. and oh, And she's so good, she don't even have a sure dog photo. <laughs> 
Nikita Krilov is uh, 19 and 4, fighting Francimar Barroso, who's 18 and 4. Uh, we got Heather Clark. I haven't seen her in a while. She's uh, 7 and 4, coming back on this card to fight Carolina Kowalkiewicz. I don't even know how to pronounce that one, but she is 8 and 0. Oh. So we're going to learn how to spell it after this card if she does a good job, I guess. Uh, we also got uh, Rustam Kabilov, who's 18-3, fighting Chris Wade, who's 11-1. Gareth McClellan, 13-3, fighting Magnus Seedenblad, who is 13-4. Josh Emmett, 9-0, fighting John Tuck, 9-2. Reza Madadi, 13-4, fighting Jan Cabral, 12-2. Uh, Kyoji Horiguchi, 16-2, fighting Neil Siri, 16-11. And, and Dominic Waters, 9-4, fighting Leon Edwards, 10-3 in the second fight of the night. And then you got first fight, Willie Gates, 12-6, fighting Utah Sasaki, who's 18-3-2. That's in uh, the Netherlands. So you got to remember also in that main event, Alistair is fighting at home. So, uh, extra motivation there for him to uh, pull it out. It's definitely uh, going to be a lot, a lot of hype coming into this one for both guys. Uh, a lot of expectations to uh, either pull off the uh, the uh, <coughs> upset or uh, you know get the expected win. I think Arlovsky is expected by most people to win. Uh, what are the odds, Rich? Have you checked the odds for that? I have no idea. Mm. I haven't checked odds since I started doing this show. <laughs> so, no. These odds. Uh, I haven't bet on MMA, though, you know, or boxing ever in my life, other than a uh, gentleman's bet, you know, with a friend. <clears throat> my, maybe that's my problem. <laughs> that's why I don't have any money. So I don't bet enough on it. You gotta listen to my psychic buddy and uh, my uh, boxing rain man. Start betting. Hey. <clears throat> anyway, uh, New England uh, fighting. The circuit that I'm going to try to do my uh, boxing match on has got an interesting uh, development. Uh, Tony, I'm sure, is going to like. Uh, okay. We talked about uh, your little uh, situation probably holding a unofficial record of uh, fighting in the most weight classes in the least amount of time okay. <laughs> college boxing well the guy who uh, trained me for a week up in Maine and hopefully will be training me some more uh, I'm not going to get to fight in my home state of Massachusetts down there in Hyannis because uh, I got, got the sickness and took a little break from training but uh, Mike Hansen is giving me basically no excuse he is uh just had a fight April 23rd. He is stepping right up to be the main event at this May 14th fight in Hyannis against a guy. He might be 0-0. Mike is 4-3. But he's a heavyweight. 265. And he is an all-American wrestler from uh, Massachusetts, I believe. Brendan Battles. And uh, he um, has had uh, a couple amateur bouts anyway. And uh, went right to the heavyweight uh, pro pro fight here. Main event, Mike Hansen, 4-3. and three, Just fought at 2.05, April 23rd. He's going to step up to 
65. And Brendan is a big boy. There's a reason he is a heavyweight. <laughs> Just looking at pictures of this dude, it's like, wow, this is the next Brock Lesnar, maybe. Big dude. Uh, Mike Hansen stepping up to face him. So if, um, if Mike goes in there and pounds him out, he just won by submission. Arm triangle submission in the first round of his last fight. So it's not like he had to, you know, really exert a ton of, ton of uh, energy and uh, uh, difficulty. But uh, if he comes out and puts this guy away, yeah, that's the guy I want to be training under in this league. <laughs> well, too, he's just, you know, the only thing he can do if it's up. Uh, uh, with those kind of wrestling credentials, but not much experience, just come out and test his chin quick. Yeah, so, that would be yeah. my advice. Just, just, just tickle his chin and uh, see how he reacts to that. Awesome stuff. So I'm going to be looking forward to uh, training with Mike after that one if he pulls that off because he's he's going to start getting a lot of attention for oh, that gym okay. and uh, what for his uh, how, willingness to step how much up. Is, how much is Mike going to wait for that fight? Well, it's up to 265, so we'll, uh, I'll probably find out. <laughs> I don't know. This is uh, this is a big one. I'd love to be there at this one. I just got too much going on with the, the firewood business starting to get going for the for the spring people and everything, wanting their uh, campfire wood. Can't okay, so, so he fought at light heavyweight last month at 205, yep. right? April 23rd, yeah. Well, first round win. Now he's going... <laughs> Down to Massachusetts on the 14th of May, next Saturday, to uh, to fight at heavyweight against yeah. a, just, uh, a major uh, major it, wrestling it, champion. Now, do you know how much weight he cut for his last fight? Well, he didn't have to cut anything. I mean, he was under 205. He was he was like 190, 195 uh, oh, when I was it. training with him. So. Oh. Ooh. Ouch. I mean, well, I'm sure a, the guy can eat. I'll give him that. I bet the guy can eat. He's got a belly on him when he wants to. But, uh, you know, he was a couple of weeks out from fight night when I was training with him. So I'm sure he has some cutting cycles that he, he's used to. But uh, it reminds me of Tony's little story about <laughs> trying to fight and not trying to, but uh, ending up fighting in all kinds of different weight classes. And, and remember that year, because like I said, um, when I was fighting heavyweight, there were, I, well, I wasn't even making the weight. I was still like in the 180s. And they would just have me put rocks in my pockets and stuff like that and just drink some water. Um, and then to the one time, I was down to 178. I was supposed to fight a kid at 190. So I wasn't even in that weight class. But I was going to fight this kid from Penn State, and he had the flu. So they were going to put me up against uh, the one heavyweight. Uh, he was 265. And he and he had to start a boxing just you know to just try to lose some weight because he was like what, like three hundred and thirty pounds, hmm. and he lost a lot of weight, but he was still like really heavy and you know still kind of out of shape. And they're like, oh man, you just don't worry about it. You just dance around him. You know, he'll be out of gas in thirty seconds. I see. What if he falls on me? Hmm. Yeah. You know, what if he traps me in the corner? You know? Oh my God, I care. I'll fight him. And my coach finally, Doctor Cox, the only time ever. He turned out a fight. He was like, no, we're not doing this one. Now it's ridiculous. Hmm. Well, I think that's all the major news I got for this week. Um, if you do get a chance, uh, Tom, I don't know if you've read this yet, but um, there was a story that was out on Bleacher Report the other day, and it's uh, by Mike Chappetta. It says, in Conor McGregor versus UFC, the fight was fixed but not fruitless. 
went out on May 3rd. And uh, it's an interesting article. I mean, it just kind of shows you where things are going and the fighters are starting to get more people backing them up in the media. And uh, McGregor is starting to make himself a little bit of a cult hero among some of these writers who've covered the sport for a long time. And this is uh, just a really interesting article talking about how the UFC brass is really becoming very out of touch with, with the, what a fighter has to go through to win. Um, and, you know, it's basically saying Connor might have lost the fight here, but uh, he might win the war. <laughs> lost the well, battle. Time will tell. But uh, it's interesting. It's good. It's worth the read. If you get a chance. Anybody out there listening who's an MMA fan will get a kick out of reading that. And uh, if you're in uh, the Cape on the 14th of May, look out for my coach, Mike Hansen. And uh, if he can pull that off, I'm uh, I'm going to be pretty confident I can do whatever I need to do in my first fight under his tutelage. So he's an army guy too. He's a you know veteran of the armed forces. So that's another cool well, thing. Well, ho hopefully uh, someone can get a video of it. Yeah, well, they pretty... always take their fights. So yeah, oh, so, and it. definitely make sure that uh, we get a we get a copy. Wow, uh, wish him luck. Hansen, he's yeah. going to need it. <laughs> well, I mean, in one case, he's fighting the guy who's oh no, it was his debut at uh, the professional ranks. But I mean, it's like fighting the guy that's a, a, a freaking Clydesdale, and yeah, you're going in looking like a thoroughbred. So who knows? Be interesting. It's interesting how he goes about the weight too. Like, is he gonna go and try to really bulk, bulk, bulk up huge with eating or muscle? How's he gonna do that in that quick a time? You know. So I remember when I did the wrestling, you had to be a minimum weight to fight. Like once 189, I had to be a minimum of another weight to fight that high. Couldn't just uh, be like a buck 55 and then weigh in for 189. Happens. Yeah, and, and it's really going to be tough. I mean, if he was 190 and fighting at light heavyweight, um, this wow, is going to be like know, um, I, Ken Shamrock versus Kimbo Slice here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just kind of thinking, well, maybe if he, you know, he was like 220 uh, a couple weeks before the fight and cut down to 205, and then rehydrated, you know, maybe he could get back up around 225, be a good weight. But coming from 190, you ain't going to 225 that quick. At least not in the right way. Right. Ooh, well, it's going to be just speed and punching power. Yeah, and uh, more power to him. You know, I'd love to see it happen, and I'd love to see him get the win and get the attention for the gym. It's just a, it's a good program. He knows what he's doing. Cares okay, about now, the now what is his opponent's uh, wrestling pedigree? He's like uh, all New England wrestler or something. You know, he's virtually undefeated or something like that. I was reading about him. It's on the website, uh, fightnewsunlimited.com, but I read it like four days ago, so you know I don't remember all the details. But it's on uh, fightnewsunlimited.com. The article is there. It's fairly recent. And, uh, yeah, Mike the Mustache Hanson is his nickname. He's four and three. He's got the old-timey mustache like a bare-knuckle fighter back in the day. And uh, the camp name is what I like the best. It comes from Camp Berserkers. So. 
That's perfect. He's going to have to go out there and berserk this guy. Brendan Battles, too. I mean, that's a fight name. If oh, I what, a, what a cool name for a fighter. Yeah. yeah. Down in Hyannis. I wish I could be there. I mean, uh, I'm sure they'll do it again at some point if it's a successful show. So I'll get to go to their next one, maybe be on it. But uh, it just didn't work out with my scheduling and the fucking New England uh, main heebie-jeebies, my friends call it, that I keep bringing back. <laughs> it didn't work out, but, uh, yeah. Uh, while I'm losing weight, Mike's going to be trying to gain it, and then we'll meet again after this fight, and uh, I'll be ready for the next card, maybe. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's going to be very inspiring. I mean, uh, I had to think about it today. It's like, uh, you know, what's my excuse if he can do that? <laughs> he might be a little younger than me, but, I mean, that's a hell of a, you know, thing to do. Not only stepping up to fight this guy who's much heavier than you, but you're going to be the main event here. Maybe it's not in your state, but, you know, you got to... You're going to step up and have all those eyes on you down there in the Cape, uh, which is a lot of summer crowd people start hanging around there in the May, month of May. So I'm sure they're going to sell out the card. And uh, he's going in there against a heavyweight. <coughs> Tough stuff. Good enough. Anyway, we'll talk next week again. Uh, I'm sure we'll try to get one of those guests on, whether it's a pre-recorded interview or what, uh, from that uh, May 13th fight card with uh, Dusty Hernandez Harrison and all his friends. Uh, unless you guys have anything else to add, call it a night. No, just thinking about watching um, the Canelo conflict this weekend. Um, yeah, I, I love your prediction, Tony. Like you said, we'll be looking for the fifth or sixth round, and it wouldn't shock me if it goes to eight, but I would really be surprised if it goes to distance. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I'd be right, most glad to come run. And next week we'll be able to talk about whether Amir Khan deserves to still box uh, instead of going to MMA, right? Yeah, the, uh, the, the timing of that announcement was very strange. Yeah. yeah, why don't you worry about your boxing before you talk about MMA, buddy? Yeah, you know, and it's almost like, you know, I've got this thing in the in, in the pocket, you know. I mean, after, after I finish Canelo, I'll be tired with boxing. I've conquered everything there, so I'm going to my next challenge. Uh, we'll maybe, see. I don't, maybe he's the convincing still himself. Out I, don't think I don't think he's convincing anyone else. No. <laughs> but that's what, that's what I tell Canelo. I say, see, you know, this guy's looking past you, champ. Get rid of him quick. <laughs> that's what Tony says is going to happen, so place your bets, folks. I would say I would say send him to MMA. Yeah, send him there to MMA. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's a good way to word it. You know, make him realize he doesn't belong here. Send him to the low yep. money fights, right? <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good night. Okay, and guys. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the fight this weekend. Adios. Have some of these today. Next week. <laughs>